Welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation podcast here for 24-7 Sports. I'm Bobby Darren, um, talking a little Rutgers basketball today. Uh, Rutgers, as everyone knows, made the uh, round of 32. Heartbreaking loss to Houston. Uh, Eight-point lead in the last four minutes. And to lose by three, uh, just missing out on a Sweet 16. It, it, it was a tough pill to swallow, but still a lot for fans to be excited about. Uh, in the future of Rutgers basketball. And to touch on that and what lies ahead, I have with me a very special guest, Matt Agnoli. Um, you know him as Ags on the message board. On Twitter, he's at our Hoops Recruits. Uh, just a wealth of knowledge. Very excited to have you here. Matt, how are you? I'm doing well, Bobby. How's it going? I can't complain. You know, I do yeah. nobody listens anyway. So <laughs> always try to find a silver lining it every day. But um, so, so let's just jump right into it, Matt. Um, you know... Rutgers, you know, everybody knows what happened. Instead of rehashing the game and, you know, what could have been, what, what lies ahead for this team next year? I mean, is this a team that can go back to the NCAA tournament a consecutive year? What's your early take on it? I know there's a lot that's going to happen, but um, is there a lot that needs to change for this team to get back there? Well, we saw, you know, moments after, you know, Rutgers lost to Houston. Jacob Young took to Twitter and sort of signed off on his career on the banks and you know we all saw Jacob Young this year uh the game against Minnesota where he intercepted the pass at midcourt pretty much a, a season saver right there I mean you're gonna have to find somebody to replace Young his energy his athleticism ability to take guys off the dribble um and then there's the decisions uh with coming down with Geo Baker and Miles Johnson and what they decide to do will really um kind of set course to where you can see Rutgers in the top 25 again. But um, if they have to replace both guys, I mean, this is a, a huge season of uncertainty coming up. And, you know, you mentioned Jacob Young, and I, I know you've been mentioning some guys to look out for. Um, you know, are, do you believe that they'll get a guy, try to get a guy the equivalent of him, or, or maybe get another two guard that, that's more of a shooter? Um, what names are you hearing now to, for, for us to look out for? Well, you know, originally or initially, I saw that Rutgers was interested in Northeastern transfer Tyson Walker. Uh, he was one of the top players in the Colonial Athletic Conference this past season. He, you know, really showed out against North Carolina. Uh, he's from the uh, New York City area and played in the NEPSAC, NEPSAC region uh, conference, which Geo Baker was a part of. So. Uh, he actually attended Christ the King, which was uh, Jose Alvarado's school. And, of course, as we all remember, Alvarado was one of Peichel's early priority targets. And it's, uh, you know, interesting to look back on uh, what a Rutgers team with Baker and Alvarado would have looked like. But uh, Walker recently cut down his list, and he's actually considering, among his final uh, schools, Michigan State. So Rutgers might get to see him in the Big Ten next year, but unfortunately not in a Scarlet Knights uniform. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, he was like one of the main ones. I actually like Jalil Jenkins from FDU. He actually shares the same trainer as incoming Rutgers guard Jalen Miller. But uh, it remains to be seen if they're willing to reach out to him. So, um, you know, new names emerge every day. It's, it's kind of wild right now with the transfer, transfer portal. And it seems like Pike is, is, is going to wait to to see what happens with his guys. It doesn't seem like he's rushing to, to, you know, shower these guys with offers. Um, 
you know, is, is do you think that's accurate? I, I mean, could we see more action down the line, especially with the transfer portal? I mean, it's blowing up this year with the with the um, you know one year free transfer rule. I mean, it seems like it's going to be the wild wild west. So, I, I mean, is this something you can afford to wait on? I mean, if there's a player that they had to have, like you know, you had Yaboa a couple of years ago. That was the natural link to Pikele. He recruited him when he was still the head coach at Stony Brook. Never got to coach him, but there was that relationship there. I don't see that player in the portal yet that, you know, has that immediate link with Rutgers. Um, Carl Hobbs does a lot of the work in the transfer portal. I believe he was responsible for, you know, getting Jacob Young to Rutgers and that, you know, he exceeded expectations. Um, but it's been, you know, they've, they've targeted a lot of guys in, in years past and it's, it's almost similar to recruiting like a high four star, like the top transfers, it's basically you're recruiting like a top 50, top 75 kid. So everybody in the country is going after the same player. So sometimes sitting back, waiting for Geo Baker to see what you know his decision is, it's not the worst uh, plan. Uh, there are going to be more players coming out you know, in the next month. So I don't think they have to rush into anything just yet. Now, you mentioned Carl Hobbs. How important are these prior ties to getting transfers? I mean, you mentioned the Yaboa stuff. Um, in, in this situation, is it more difficult to just go out and, and try to get, you know, a guy that they have no past experience with? I actually, I, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. I mean, if you are selling Rutgers right now, I mean, yes, you had the, the back-to-back NCAA tournament uh, years, in my opinion, of course, this year. But then you were on the on the cusp of making the sweet 16, the first local team to advance past the second round since Seton Hall in 2000. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they play at the rack, you know, great atmosphere in the big 10, the big 10 sells itself. You know, you hear Pike talking all the time about it. It's the best conference in America. So that's still, you know, for a kid that's transferring up from like a mid major level, Rutgers Mm -hmm. is going to be intriguing for them, but you know, when every other team is after the same kid and maybe they have NBA players to promote mm-hmm. um, and some other amenities, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. So I do think prioritize is um, the best way to go. So that's always sort of like a roadmap to who Rutgers might target. Okay. And, and you know, in this, um, you know, you, you kind of get lost to the, the future of recruiting. I mean, you, you still have the 22s out there. Um, you know, one guy we touched on a lot, Mark Armstrong. I mean, uh, do you still go hard after those guys? Is it, Are there still main priorities in that, or do you kind of sacrifice some of those guys for, for bringing in a transfer? Well, 2021 is the priority, I think. I mean, it really a lot comes down to what Geo Baker decides, but you, mm-hmm. you definitely want to set yourself up for a winning season in 2021, but it does appear that Rutgers is all in on Mark Armstrong has been for a long time. 2022, the guards in New Jersey has been, you know, well talked about for years. I mean, you had Jaquan Harris just committed to Seton Hall. And I know a lot of Rutgers fans are upset about that, but I mean, it's worked out for Rutgers in the past with local kids. You know, you don't want to say they put their eggs all into one basket, but you know, you have to select who you want to prioritize. And Armstrong is that guy. I think Armstrong always was sort of, or Harris was always into Seton Hall. So, you know, you direct all that energy into Armstrong. And from what I've heard, it's not over yet. Rutgers is still in it with Mark Armstrong. 
Wow. And, you know, that would be a huge pickup. And, and in your opinion, how good can he be? I mean, you know, we've, we've seen some guys come in with, with promise, you know, some four stars and they've been okay. But, uh, I mean, how good can Mark Armstrong be for Rutgers if that scenario were to play out? I mean, Mark Armstrong, I, I always really liked him in the 22 class. He was or, always a favorite of mine. He's, he's athletic. He's a good shooter. He's got good handles. I mean, he's a tough player. And he's got, you know, I, I like his shooting, actually. I think he could be a really good scorer for Rutgers. And if, if when you're looking for somebody with the shot, shot clock winding down and you need somebody to make a play, I think Mark, mm-hmm. Mark Armstrong can be that guy. And uh, I think Rutgers would offer him that freedom um, as opposed to some of the other schools that are in the running. So that could be an intriguing sales pitch for Rutgers when they're going to need to replace Young and Baker in these next few seasons. Right. And, and, you know, last year we saw Cliff Amarui play, um, you know, a decent amount. And and the other freshmen kind of, you know, just just kind of on the sidelines watching. Uh, is it too early to judge, you know, those guys, the Dean Rabers and the, and the Oscar Palmquist and Milwaukee Mags? Uh, I mean, is, Pico has developed guys, but, but what's your take on those guys? Because as recruits, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, but they were pretty under under recruited and or, you know, they didn't have a whole lot going on in terms of, you know, big, big colleges. Yeah. Uh, Moab, Moab. Uh, Mag was in Florida before he transferred to Prolific Prep, and Rutgers actually discovered him while watching Coleman Hawkins, their top target at the time, uh, who eventually committed to Illinois. They saw Mag in workouts and were, you know, intrigued by him. So he ended up being uh, one of their 2020 commits. And I like him. I think he he fits with what what Pico likes to do. He defends. He could hit the corner three. Uh, he he's got some Eugene Amarui. Um, to his game so i think he's a keeper um i don't know if he's going to be a you know a starter go you know one or two option on offense or anything like that but he's a winning player uh dean reber i mean i thought he was a big 10 type of prospect maybe a developmental prospect coming out of north carolina played for team loaded in north carolina that you have to be a pretty good prospect to play for them Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think, you know, the, with the big guys, it takes a little bit of time to develop. You see in the mm-hmm. transfer portal, you have America East guys playing four years at a Bucknell or something like that. And then they transfer and they're going to Kentucky. So, like, it's going to take time, I think, with Reber. Um, Oscar Pomkos, too, he was recruited uh, heavily after, you know, coming to Florida out of Sweden. And, uh, you know, he hasn't really, you know, got gotten his feet settled here with Rutgers. Um, I'm not ready to, to write him off yet, but next year is going to be a prove it year for him, I think. Right. And of course, Amarui is like the, the crown jewel. I think he's going to be very good. Um, but mm-hmm. then again, with Biggs, it, it takes a little time. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, I mean, you, you saw that last year in watching him play, you know, he was offensively, he was pretty, he was limited at the high school level. And, you know, after his first season, you say, well, he didn't put up great numbers, but, you know, you look back on Miles Johnson as a freshman, he didn't even play, he was overweight and he really developed. So, I mean, it, you know, his trajectory could, you know, surpass him because he's starting out with a, a bit more talent. W- would you say that's accurate? Oh, with Cliff Amory? Absolutely. I mean, we saw, too, at the end of the Clemson, uh, at one, what was it? Was it the end of uh, where he was shooting the threes? I mean, it was a blowout against Indiana <laughs> in the Big Ten yeah. tournament. So, I mean, like, he just kind of did it like it was nothing, and it kind of made you think, okay, like, where, where is this guy's potential? Like, does he, is there a ceiling on this, um, on this player? So, 
I mean, he, you know, with the alley-oops and, and, the, and the, the rim protection, he's going to be, you know, a starting player for Rutgers and an impact player at the Big Ten level. Um, you know, Miles Johnson, he's irrepre- irreplaceable, but uh, Amari is a top 50 talent, and I think we're going to just, he's only going to get better, and I think he's going to be a key piece moving forward. I think you still need a stretch four who can uh, score from you know the perimeter and could take his man off the dribble there are players entering the transfer portal who fit that description and there's another player in the high school ranks who i think uh Rutgers is still involved with who can make an impact year one so we'll see i think cliff is certainly going to be you know there was talk that he could be you know an nba player in a couple mm-hmm. of years so i mean i think we're you know putting the cart before the horse there but um this is a guy whose final five schools was uconn Auburn, um, you know, these guys are recruiting top, you know, five stars every year. So um, it just speaks to the level of uh, talent that Cliffs has, and he's a good kid too. So he's he's a future captain kind of kind of guy. Hey, you know, I um in in preceding some of the games this year when I was at the rack, you know, he was shooting some in warmups from, you know, not three point range, but you know, from from around the, you know just beyond the foul line and, you know, past the elbow there. And, and he was hitting some of them. I mean, I don't want to set up any false expectations, but look at Cliff hitting some outside shots. It was, uh, it, it was good to see. It was promising to see. And, and you know what? I also liked that, that fight there. And I think it was the Houston game. He started getting a little chippy with guys. You know, I like to see that. And, um, you know, the little fire in, in there. So, um, you know, and, and I want to ask you about another big guy to switch gears. Um, Penn state, John Harrer. Um, am oh, I saying yeah. that correctly? I, I say it in mentally hurrah, but I hurrah. mean, you could be, yeah, I mean, I could be totally wrong. Maybe we'll the find kid, out if he commits to Rutgers. The kid from Penn State. Um, kid, yeah. You know, John. I do a lot. Of, sometimes I do a lot of copy and paste in what I'm writing, you know, um, with names. But um, I think I called uh, him Farrar, actually, Farrar. the other day, accidentally. I had to catch myself. But Well, he, he's a solid big. I mean, what, what's the chances there? I mean, does Rutgers have a legitimate shot with him? I mean, that's an interesting one. I actually think he, he you know, would be a perfect fit staying in the Big Ten. You know, a few schools, uh, you know, Michigan State reached out to him. I think Maryland was in there, Rutgers. I mean, he does seem like a perfect fit for this conference. And, I mean, the minutes are available depending on, you know, who comes back. But you find playing time for a guy like that. He's from Pennsylvania. You know, he's not going to have to be too far from home. He played for, I believe, the Philly pride and Rutgers Mm -hmm. has some uh history recruiting that program but you know they've never landed one of their players he also spent some time in North Carolina Uh, I think he played at Burlington school so he has some ties there I know NC State popped up on his list again this is a top 30 transfer just like Yabo was a couple years back so I mean they're gonna have to you know put in the work to win him to win that one out uh, but yeah, yeah, he's absolutely somebody to watch. I just don't know if I'm willing to say they have a better than 50% chance at getting him. Okay. Is there anybody else now? I mean, I know you said new names pop in every day. Is there anybody else now we should keep an eye on in that transfer portal, uh, in terms of, you know, being a guy that, that Rutgers could land? I mean, every, I see a lot of interesting names and I write them down if they have Rutgers ties. I'm not willing to go as far as saying this, this guy could be, you know, could land at Rutgers, but he was a 2019 target. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pitt transfer entered today. Kareem Koulibaly, he's from Malay. He's mm-hmm. a 6'8", 6'9", stretch big man. He's averaged about 
I want to say five and five at Pitt, but you know, Jeff Capel's team, they're losing a lot of guys due, uh, via transfer. He was offered by Bradley the same day he entered the portal. I mean, he's a guy worth uh, reaching out to. I don't know if they will, but uh, that's an interesting name. There's a kid from Bucknell. Uh, let me just pull up his info here. Average double digit points. I mean, yeah, my the list is just like you know expanding. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me see here. Oh, a Seth Pinkney. He mm-hmm. he's leaving Quinnipiac. He's a seven footer. He's got tantalizing upside. I don't know if they re- actually need him because they have a player like that in Cliff Amorui. Amorui. Amorie. I'm sorry. I'm Cliff, saying it big like Cliff. I'm I know. I always like say always... it wrong. <laughs> Amorie, you know what? I have to listen to the new pronunciation. It used to be the old way, and then look at me. So uh, let's see. You know, another guy like Ish Elamine. He's the son of Khalid Elamine, 1999 mm-hmm. national champion at UConn. Carl Hobbs recruited him to stores from Minnesota where he was a McDonald's All-American. His son now is in the portal. He played at Ball State. And uh, I believe he spoke to the new Minnesota head coach, Ben Johnson, as well as Rhode Island. That came out today. But I think Rutgers should look into him. He averaged about 14 points per game. So if we're talking about a Jacob Young replacement, he's a guy that I like because it's got the Carl Hobbs ties. Um, Aaron Wheeler, Purdue, he entered the portal uh, a couple of days ago. I think he's going to, you know, possibly hear from Rutgers or has heard from Rutgers. Another guy to watch out for. He's from the Rhode Island era, era. Or area. He's from Geo Baker's class of 2017. Uh, yeah, so the player from Bucknell is John Meeks. Okay. John so Meeks. just a guy that, you know, you might want to store away. <laughs> Miller Cop tra- is transferring from uh, Northwestern. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's going to be options for a Big Ten school. It's just going to be about fit and the competition right now. Right. So it seems like the staff is really going to have to do their homework and, and, and find those pieces that can really fit. And, you know, speaking of staff, how important is it to retain, uh, you know, a guy like Brandon Knight on staff? I mean, every year you seem like, is he going to get a job somewhere? Is he going to get a job somewhere? And, and they've been able to hold on to him. What's your take on on his situation? Well, as an Essex County uh, guy myself, I'm I'm very uh, partial. I'm you know I'm a big fan of Brandon Knight. I think when Brandon Knight was hired by Steve Peichel in 2016 to join the staff, I thought that was a turning point uh, that made Rutgers fans realize that this was going to be different, uh, a different staff, a different era of Rutgers basketball. I think he deserves a head coaching shot. I just don't know if uh, a position is going to open up that makes sense for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Fordham is going to go to Villanova assistant Kyle Neptune, which will then leave Bryant and St. Peter's jobs uh, unavailable because I think Shaheen Holloway at St. Peter's was a candidate. And mm-hmm. I think St. Peter's could have hired Brandon Knight because he's East Orange and he could just recruit New Jersey really hard and make a name for himself there. But I think um, if they can keep Knight another year, that would be excellent news especially since he's recruiting New Jersey and is doing work with Mark Armstrong. So, yeah, I mean, Rutgers has really gotten lucky with the staff having Jay Young for a few years, Carl Hobbs. But eventually, good programs lose assistance to um, other programs, either for uh, promotions or head coaching gigs. So it's a good problem to have, I think. 
And actually, you know, for for those listeners who might be more familiar with football recruiting and, and how things kind of go, uh, can you just talk about the nuances of having those assistants with those ties to the AAU and stuff like that and how instrumental they are in bringing some of these guys uh, into programs? Yeah, I mean, it always helps to have a local guy tied into this, uh, you know, they know you they know you from either your high school playing days or just from you know being in the house recruiting players that you you know that you knew or that you grew up with and i think Rutgers did that with Brandon Knight that was huge and then having Carl Hobbs he had you know t- has ties everywhere from his days in at uh, UConn so i mean i know the previous staff at Rutgers really didn't have any connections to New Jersey but um, as you see with Rutgers, it's kind of a national brand. Like they've gone everywhere for players, California, Sweden, uh, you know, they got kids from Ohio, Florida. So, you know, New Hampshire with Joe Baker. So I don't think, I mean, it's important to have assistance with local ties, but I, sometimes I think there are certain areas where kids just want to get away and maybe it's the best for them to get away. And I think New Jersey is one of those schools with basketball, sometimes the top players in New Jersey are lottery picks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a kid, Tariq Whitehead, he's at Monverde, and he's going to be a lottery pick. And, you know, sometimes you're just not going to see Rutgers attached to certain players because um, they're either linked to the Kentucky and Dukes or they're going to go directly to the NBA. But having a Brandon Knight is huge for Rutgers, and if they lost him, that would be he would leave some big shoes to fill. And I would be very interested to see which direction they go to if they had to replace them. Yeah, and hopefully they can hang on to them for another year. Um, you know, and in talking to a lot of these recruit acts, what, how have you seen the perception change just in the last maybe year? And, and with this NCAA tournament run, is, is this something that are really going to turn heads? Because it seems like some of them, you know, will give Rutgers the lip service. And yes, they're doing better. But actually seeing them, because I know when I was, uh, I was uh, you know, watching the, the Houston game, I was getting texts from all kinds of people who I've told time and again, you know, Rutgers got a decent team. And, you know, these are fair weather people who don't watch, you know, college football or college basketball on a daily basis. So they turn on a tournament and they're like, wow, you know, I'm really impressed with this team. Is that kind of the same sentiment, uh, you know, intact with recruits? Yeah, I mean, I had the trainer for, you know, Rutgers is incoming guard Jalen Miller reach out to me after the game and just said, uh, this was actually after the Clemson game, and he said he kind of knew that Rutgers was going to win. He's been really impressed with their team. Also, the the brother, older brother of a Rutgers target who ended up committing to USC reached out to me after Houston and just said how Rutgers is, you know, developing into a program known more than just, uh, you know, for being a football team. So, I mean, you're seeing this stuff like spread to relatives, to coaches, trainers, recruits. I mean, once you make the tournament, I think, you know, the the amount of eyeballs that see this. I mean, the Rutgers-Houston was probably one of the top games that day. Mm -hmm. And it was a battle. Like, I mean, that was, you know, it came down to the wire. It was exciting. And I think Rutgers earned a lot of respect. I mean, they've, they've earned a lot of respect in the last two years. But, I mean, I do think it's getting through with recruits. Um, but there's always, you know, a lot of politics involved, a lot of a lot of backroom stuff that happens with recruiting. So, you know, sometimes the best team doesn't always win, so to speak. Right. Well, you would think that with that run, they should be able to retool pretty quickly this year if need be. Right. 
I mean, one would hope. I mean, we saw what happened with Northwestern in 2017, I believe, when they broke their long tournament drought. They haven't been back. So you just wonder if they will be able to reload quickly enough where they can kind of make it an annual thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, making the tournament every year is no easy task. You got to have a lot of luck, too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Pykele they play a competitive brand of basketball. So I think they're going to be competitive every year. Will they make the tournament every year? And what will fans think if they're not making the tournament every year? You know, that's going to be a big question. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it was an interesting uh, run, uh, exciting run to say the least. And, uh, you know, we'll see if it can continue. Ags, I can't thank you enough. Any more closing thoughts or anything we didn't touch on that you might want to add? Yeah, you know, I would just say that I would, you know, enjoy, as Coach Pykele would say, enjoy the steps. I wouldn't worry about if what Rutgers is doing is sustainable. I think coming off two tournament seasons, um, the program's in good hands, and uh, let's just enjoy the, the off season, the recruiting, and and all the news that we can get from Scarlet Nation this off season. So be on the lookout for some updates. We'll We'll keep you guys busy. All right. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at rhoopsrecruits. Uh, you can catch him on our message board on the round table. We'd love to see you come by. And um, thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. And we'll see you again soon. <laughs>